Hello and welcome to the MomStrong Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Johnson, creator of the MomStrong Method and full-time holistic health and life coach for working moms and mompreneurs. I give it to you straight. I hold you to being your best self and I cannot wait to help you craft your life into something perfectly imperfect. Tune in each week as I share tips, tricks, and motivation for balancing a family, a job, and trying to get wholly healthy. I am so glad you're here. So I wanted to continue the conversation from last week. Um, Last week, I recorded an episode uh, framing the question of, you know, what can I do? That was a question that I was seeing posted a lot. um, And I got from a lot of my white female clients asking, what can I do? Especially, you know, with the post protests and the in the wake of death, um, the the death of George Floyd, um, all the things that are coming out that have been around for a while. And my privilege has allowed me to be like, they're just coming out with this. Ah, ignorance um, about the police department and about um, some really big systemic change and how, and I'm going to share a little bit about what I have been learning. So hopefully you can learn and take it, take the ball and run and learn where you feel you need to. Um, But today I want to, the conversation is about ensuring that this moment becomes a movement and how to take action for you and your family and your workplace, your relationships, and to help keep change happening. Um, It's super easy as a white person to have this burst of energy and this is terrible and then donate a few dollars and then fall easily back into comfortable daily life. That is part of our privilege. We can do that. I've seen a couple people saying, you know, I'm just tired of all this news media. I'm just tired of all this stuff. I wish we'd go back to normal. And again, that is a white privilege thing. That is a privileged thing to say. I wish we could go back to normal Um, because the normal for many people living in this country is not comfortable and is not safe. And so I'm not saying you have to drag yourself over the coals and shame yourself and all of this. I'm just saying, I hope that this challenges you and gives you some really good ideas on how to make daily change so that you can be a part of the solution instead of um, sitting back and being complacent and being a part of then the problem, right? Because I do believe there's, you know, for me in general, in change, decisions, anything, there's no neutral decision. Even if you're not choosing, you're still choosing to not choose. Or if you're not um, having conversations, or you're not choosing to do a little more work, you're not choosing to do something, you're just choosing to take the day off, you're still making a choice. You're choosing to not do anything. And that's with life in general, with health and fitness, um, with anti-racism, with parenting, with your work, you're making a choice no matter what. And so thinking about that, framing that for you before we get started. So um, I want to give you a little a life update before we get started. Um, so Zeke is in his first week out of school into summer break. Um, I And I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mother. <laughs> that is not my special gift in this world. Um, that doesn't mean I'm a bad mother. That doesn't mean I don't love my son. And it's so funny. I've been hearing this more and more from my clients. Like, I feel terrible. I'm just so tired of my children. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sister, you are not a horrible person for that. And that is just a, a shoving in one direction saying, hey, maybe you're full-time stuff is not meant to be a stay-at-home parent and that's okay that's not everyone's gift and so for me that is definitely not mine Uh, we have chosen to put zeke into a local day camp three times a week starting uh end of june so we have a couple weeks here before he'll go to that so i'm just trying to figure out how to keep him off screens as much as possible um while also giving myself space i need to do my business and all that fun stuff that needs to be done and be part of family and connecting reconnecting with people um so for me honestly i'm tired i'm just physically tired 
I have not been sleeping well recently, and I think it's part of it's the full moon was on Friday, so I don't usually sleep well around full moons, but also I think I'm getting my period, and so I had a, I think I had an overnight migraine last night, so I'm feeling really tired and out of it today. I took another rest day. I rested yesterday from working out, and I rested again today. Um, I'm just tired. I was feeling tired. And, uh, you know, around here in Minnesota, things are opening up, so more of the bars and um, restaurants, gyms, salons, things like that are all starting to open up with different various rules. And for us, we're being really cautious with it. Um, our gym is opening up, but we're not choosing to go back quite yet. We're going to put Zeke in care there, um, which will be really good. And it's funny because someone said to me, um, isn't it nice? Isn't it too bad that Zeke gets his social life back before you get yours? And I'm like, oh, 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 him being out of the house from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., that is a gift for all of us. And so it'll be good. Um, so yeah, we're week three of stay at home, cautiously just staying bunkered down and kind of seeing what happens over the next two to three weeks. Um, and for me personally, I've been creating space, more space in my calendar. I chose to um, not be a performer at Lifetime anymore, to not teach classes for a few reasons. Um, and I'm just creating space in my business. And, you know, right now I have capacity to open up for new clients, but I'm choosing not to just to give more um, attention and focus to my business, to my current clients, and to see what I really, to make sure I'm being really intentional about what I want to create in terms of client load and what I can give back to my clients and the resources that I can give them and the energy that I have for them. And so with that, I've been also creating and reinforcing boundaries with my clients, with my relationships, with friends, with Zeke, um, and really just making sure I'm putting in boundaries and then holding to them. Because oftentimes I put in a boundary and then I'm like, oh, but I'll remind them one more time. Or, oh, but I'll, and I'm like, nope, I need to start holding people in my life accountable for boundaries that I set. So for me, it's been a weird, um, especially last night, I was reflecting in my journal at nighttime and it's been this weird, like, I feel like not only am I physically decluttering everything. So like we, I took, um, oh my gosh, it was probably like 10 or a dozen trash bags plus various miscellaneous items um, full of items from our home to Goodwill, waited in line for an hour and 15 minutes, totally worth it. <laughs> um, and so creating space in that way, decluttering, really deeply decluttering, um, but also just with my space and in my energy. And I'm leaving that open because I don't know what's coming yet. I I feel like I need to be opening the space for some reason, but I don't know what for yet. I'm not sure. Um, that's really uncomfortable for me because I'm definitely a very like one, two, three, do this, achieve this, go for this. Um, but I'm leaving it open and I, and I think it's, it feels, well, actually it feels like crap right now, honestly, <laughs> but not in a bad way. It just feels uncertain. Let's say not like crap. So a lot of change happening, but I'm not sure what for yet. There's not a directive for that change yet. So that's a little bit of update about me. Now let's jump in. So creating a movement and not a moment. And I, before I start this, when I say movement, and this is with anything I teach in the MomStrong method, a movement is not, it doesn't need to be this giant overhaul of life and doing all the things and adding all the things and absorbing all the things. It really should be done at a pace that's sustainable. And that's what I fear right now is some people are burning themselves out by doing so much on the front end. And I'll talk about the importance of rest towards the end. But 
it's really important that we ensure that you are doing your energetic best to create a movement, but in a way that's sustainable. And that's the same thing with your health and fitness, right? The whole like cleaning out the cupboards, joining the gym, signing up for the marathon and promising you'll never drink wine again or ever have ever sugar again. That doesn't work. You have to do something that's sustainable for your energy. So turning this moment into a movement is going to take some planning and some forward thought. And I want to give you that here. So the first thing is the importance of educating yourself. Um, and again, I'm speaking to mainly white women here. So if you're a person of color and you're listening to this and you're like, what? I know I'm doing my education. I've been doing my education for 400 plus years. <laughs> um, I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the white women who um, and white men and white people who need to who feel maybe they want to do something, but they don't know what. And I've had a lot of clients this week um, when we were talking about this in one-on-ones saying that they didn't want to do the wrong thing. They didn't want to say the wrong thing. And part of this work of working on anti-racism, it's impossible. Like you're gonna mess up because as a white person, we have had the privilege of not having to know how laws impact us unfairly necessarily or how history and society and everything has been built in our favor. So we have been able to be blind to certain things. You're, so therefore, you are going to say the wrong thing. You're gonna mess up but you still need to educate yourself. Just saying, oh, I'm gonna mess up. I'm just gonna go forward blindly and just trot all over people's feet. <laughs> um, that's not how you wanna proceed. You wanna educate yourself. So do your education. And I really encourage you to think about who you are asking for education from and trying to not add emotional labor, especially to our black community, not asking them for more than they're already giving us right now. There are plenty of people on Instagram and Facebook and all tons of resources and podcasts and books and movies you can watch that you can start educating that to form questions, to form opinions, to form awareness and not having to reach out and either get a pat on the head for doing a good job because there's no cookie here. That's the ally cookie doesn't exist. And if you're looking for the ally cookie and that, but ally cookie, I mean like the, oh, good job. You're doing so good. Good job working on anti-racism. Good job uncovering your racist tendencies. You're not going to get that. And you're also doing it for the wrong reason if you are doing it that way. So I hope that makes sense. So being cognizant of who you are leaning on during these times and not adding emotional labor to others. You can do your own work and at some point you can find a community that you can do this work with. But I say really starting with yourself and know that you're gonna say the wrong thing. So for me, how I've been trying to help and to help myself is when I'm reading something, I'm not just sharing it like you guys should read this. I'm, I'm reading it and I'm saying, oh, this is really good. I think other people might benefit from reading this. So I've been sharing resources, especially on my Instagram stories that go to Facebook stories as well and discussing what I'm learning with a couple of my white friends and being like, hey, this is what I'm learning. Have you, do you, have you heard this? How do you feel about this? And looking to people of color who are doing education for white people and so graciously doing so and saying, does this line up? And does this line up with what I've always been told? And is that correct? And if that isn't correct, how can I learn more about this? Um, so I wanna share a couple of examples with you. So the first one is, and I keep seeing this in wellness spaces is how am I or how is my business perpetuating the idea of the white standard, the white beauty standard in the wellness industry? I know it is rampant. I am not fully aware of how I am a part of that. Um, and for me, I've always struggled with weight being a focus of programming because for me, it's like weight loss isn't the purpose. It's becoming holistically healthy, a wholly healthy person. 
But sometimes weight loss comes along with that. Sometimes that is a piece of being healthier is losing weight, which has impacts on other different systems in our body. But that for me has never been a focus, but it's also something that I need to examine. And how am I perpetuating um, this white beauty ideal or this beauty, or even just wellness, just this fitness ideal? How am I perpetuating that and teaching that to others? Um, and another example of what I've learned, so if you've ever done a video call with me in the, my background, you've probably seen the, the bottom part of my dream catcher. So for me, um, I can't remember who I listened to, but it was someone a long time ago on a podcast. And they're like, oh, you know, the idea of dream catchers where, you know, they, they ensnare the bad dreams and the good dreams, you know, drip off the end of them into your brain. So for me, um, I've grown up with creating dream catchers at various summer camps, always to my remembrance taught by white people and very, not ever. I mean, I knew it was from Native American culture, but I didn't know, I didn't know the the, the Oh gosh, what is the word? I didn't know the structure behind it. I didn't know the meaning behind it, the true meaning. And so I then took the dream catcher as like a cool symbol to put behind my desk to catch my bad ideas and to ensnare the bad ideas and give them and remember the good ones and give those to me. And I bought it from a white woman off of Etsy. And that is total cultural appropriation where I'm using a symbol of a culture in a novel way, without education, without supporting that community. Um, and it was something that just kind of dawned on me. I was so I've been working through um, the book by Leila Saad, the me and white, white me and white supremacy, I would highly recommend it. She gives you daily journal prompts where you can unpack your own crap. And then you can then start learning more about that about tone policing about white superiority about white supremacy and I it's been a, an amazing workbook and this is one of the things that I learned I was like oh man how else am I doing that in my life how else am I using symbols of culture in a way that's not respectful and that's more novel and you see this come up every year with Halloween right where people will remind you, hey, this is a culture, not a costume. And so I think about that whenever, you know, Zeke looks for costumes. And if he ever wants to dress up as certain types of people, I'm like, no, nah, dude, like, no, that's not that's and I'm teaching him again, he's six and a half. So I'm trying to teach him at an age appropriate level. But for me, the dream catcher was one thing that was like, oh, duh, but and, and to say this, so this is what can happen. This is what happens to me occasionally is the example of the dream catcher. Another example is um, saging. So I haven't done a full research. Like, is using sage is where do you purchase it from? If you can, you even be culturally appropriate without um, making it novel. How do you use certain tools um, in the spiritual center in a way that's respectful? And can I, as a white person, is that something that will always be disrespectful? So it's just doing more of the research. And when you learn something, doing something about it. So for me, what I did is I got rid of the dream catcher. There's no meaning behind it. It was again, created by someone as a craft. Um, and so I got rid of it. And then I also donated to um, the local Sioux community, which is local to where I live in Minnesota. So something that I would do too, just education. A piece that I learned is to look up where, what land you are on, whose land was this originally, what Native American tribe originally lived on your land that your house is built on in your city. And that's the first piece of education. So for me, I did that education. And then I went to their local website here and I donated for twice the amount of what I paid the dream catcher. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it okay that I did that, that I, that I didn't know, quote unquote, 
but I tried to take immediate action. And then from there, that night I had a conversation with Zeke and I was like, hey buddy, did you know, let's talk about the Native American people. And I started explaining that to him and that our land, we don't, we, we're not the first ones to own this. And we took this land from Native people and giving him education and teaching him how to say, you know, the, the tribe that our land is on. And so that's kind of my action. That's one example. The thing that I said earlier about just avoiding shaming yourself. So you can feel guilty and you can feel badly and you can say, man, I can't believe I didn't know this. And it shouldn't be like, oh, I didn't know this, whatever. Like you want to have some feelings around it, probably sadness and grief and frustration. Um, but I find when you go to shaming yourself, then you're recentering yourself and you're taking the focus off of where you should be going <laughs> in terms of helping our friends of color become equals in society and doing having equity in society. So if you as a white person can avoid shaming yourself or flogging yourself and instead focusing on what you can learn and what you can do better now, how more, how much more can you learn? And I really do want to talk about, you know, the things that you're going to say and do that you don't even know. It can, there's this feeling and I, that's kind of where I was going. There's this feeling that for me, initially when I started doing this work, I was like, everything i was like scared of saying anything i was like is this bad is this wrong is this racist did i not even know that and i just felt paralyzed because i was like oh my gosh dream catchers i didn't even think about that oh my gosh that phrase i didn't even think about that like there's um there was an article that i read that i wish i would have saved but i forgot to um but was talking about just everyday phrases and like one of them is like the lowest man on the totem pole like probably maybe rephrase that because it has undertones of native american cultural appropriation and again i don't even know all of what it totally means but when i read those articles i'm like wow there are things that i say every day or that I say frequently, they don't even realize, like, like, especially, I mean, more and more, this is coming out too, but as seeing white wellness people, especially, be like, hey, tribe, or welcome to my tribe, like tribe is not a term for a group of white people. And so again, doing your homework, and it can be paralyzing, you can be like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna mess up, and I'm gonna say something wrong, and I'm not even gonna know it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yep, you are, you're gonna. And that's how you learn. And you don't flip into shame. You don't flip into defensiveness. You instead listen and go, wow, I'm sorry. I messed up and I will do better. And that's what over and over and over is apologizing for your ignorance and not shaming yourself for it. And then focusing on how you can do better. What can you learn? What can you do better now? I also want to talk about losing friends and followers. Man, if any of you were tracking your friend and follower count before you started talking about anti-racism, <laughs> most likely it's gone down. Uh, and that's tough um, because you don't always know who it is. You, I also, for me, clearly I haven't talked about being an anti-racist and what I stand for um, enough. And I've attracted a significant amount of people who, when I post about anti-racism, mute me or unfriend me or unfollow me. So I need to do better work making sure that I'm attracting people who know what I stand for as a person and not just with anti-racism, but with as a person in general. Um, but you're going to lose friends and you're going to lose followers. And some of these people might be close friends and it's part of the process. It can be really scary. It can be jarring. I would say something that I keep seeing is, um, and again, I get it. Like I, I'm the same way. If someone is like outwardly posting something that's racist, I'm like unfriend, unfollow. But I also want to leave that middle space for listening to someone and understanding their point of view. 
there often is a more middle ground to start a conversation to not not that you have to find the middle ground with somebody but for the point of conversation you can often find more of a middle ground to start that conversation instead of them saying all lives matter and you saying you're a horrible person unfriend you can see them say all lives matter and say what do you mean by that what does that mean to you and you can start a conversation if you have the energy or want to have that conversation. It doesn't need to go automatically, oh, this person's ignorant and they're dumb and I'm unfriending them. There is a way to make conversation. And especially as a white person, we have that power where behind closed doors, and I think I shared this last podcast, where you know it's especially powerful with the feminism movement that white men, especially behind closed doors around other white men, are saying, hey, no, it's not cool to call women that. It's not cool to think that about women. It's not cool to touch women that way. It's the same thing with white people. We have that behind closed doors moment where people might relax a little bit. Everyone looks like you as a white person in the room and they might start saying things that they feel more comfortable because they think that you stand with them in certain beliefs and you don't. And so having that middle ground, instead of saying, you're ignorant, you're a racist, I can't believe this, having a middle ground conversation, if that's where you feel like putting your energy, obviously it's okay to unfriend somebody and to be done with that and you don't need to be doing other people's work for them, especially if you are a person of 